right, welcome to Maddie's Mental Health Podcast. We got Dave Hicks here today, the man, the myth, the legend, local comic, local, a lot of things. How you doing, Dave? Good. Nice to be here. Good to have you here, man. What's going on today? How you doing? Uh, pretty good. Just uh, enjoying the the weather. This is, I like the uh, seasons that bookend the summer because uh, I have a little extra weight on, so uh, I suffer in the in the heat. Oh yeah, get that cool. I air. love, I love the cool cool seasons. You got a skeleton behind you. Got Halloween theme behind. Yeah. you. If anybody's watching video, can see that. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, I got a skeleton suit, but uh, but I you can't try it on in the store, and uh, you can't take them back when you wear them. So it's too small or too big. Or I can get my legs in, but. Uh, <laughs> It's a little tight around the groin area. <laughs> so um, it just hangs there as a, as a prop. Yeah. Some good I actually have a, I do a live streaming, uh, like a, I, I make, I have a loop, loop station. I do loops on, uh, on Twitch. Oh, cool. Um, we'll definitely plug that. So that's the back, that's the background. Oh, that's, of, that's uh, really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, the Guano Guano Show Show. Okay, we'll put that in the description. Twitter. Everyone check that out. Get some loops, some skeleton yeah. loops. <laughs> um, Actually, I'm starting to do some um, some uh, Halloween theme type songs. Or not songs, they're loops. Uh, so, yeah, I got one for Vampire. Uh, the werewolf one's not that great, but... I have a witch one that's so-so, um, a ghost one. So I'm trying to, I just did an aliens one today. So I don't know. I'm trying to go through all the archetypes, all the stereotypes of these, these, uh, these Halloween creatures. Right. Uh, that's very cool, man. Um, but yeah, so. I want to say thanks so much for coming on and, and uh, want to come on the show. Um, thank you. Where did, I know a little bit about your story, but where did mental health start for you? Um, hmm. I'm not going to talk about kids stuff, like when I was super young, but my first like psychotic break was uh, like most most young people it was uh very early 20 20s so it was like 2021 which was um like i'm diagnosed bipolar schizoaffective disorder um but at the at the like my first break it was uh it was uh like i was full-blown psychotic at the height of it in toronto and um yeah, I was, I was completely detached from reality, like completely, like I, I have memories of that time, but uh, I've been told I did things that, you know, that I don't remember doing. And, um, you know, at, I was actually, uh, um, it's sort of a, um, I guess they call it like a God complex, 
but mine was like obsessed with being connected with God. And I felt like I, I had the, I had this mission to bring all the religions together and make the world a better place. And, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's hard, man. You can't, one person can't do that. So, uh, I, um, I, ba I basically, um, it's a big job. It's a big job. Yeah. And there's a lot of atheists and, uh, what's weird is I didn't go into ho houses of worship. I just, I actually went from street person, to street person, to street person, to street person, just kept going. And I just go, I was just like, Hey, how's it going? How are you doing today? Nah, 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 nah. And I would, um, and if they were hungry, um, I'd, I'd give them food. I, I was cooking out of a, a hotel in uh, Toronto on like Queen West called the Drake. It's still called the Drake. It's been called other things, but so I was cooking out of there and I had, I always had food on me because I knew I was bumping into people and I was feeding people out of the side of the restaurant. And um, yeah, I just went from, you know, like, you know, what people would deem as bums or crazy old people, you know, um, especially in, in Parkdale in Toronto, it's per capita, it's like the highest number of people with mental illness per capita in, in probably the world because the, the services that are there, it kind of, uh, it, it brings, um, a lot of people who are trying to who need the services you know and it's within walking distance and there's all kinds of stuff that folks get connected with like outreach outreach centers and stuff but yeah that was my thing man i was just like i was just like i was 169 pounds I, i'm 265 so i'm six one i was like i was just a bag of bones literally and didn't sleep for weeks and weeks. And, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of shit. I've been in and out of home, like places where a lot of these old, older psychotic people lived, you know, and uh, uh, it's pretty sad. Like a lot of situations, it's just, it's just caught like a single cot, like an army cot in a, in a room and they're just living there and they're eating out of fucking cans and it's it's pretty depressing but um but uh i i actually thought they were reincarnations of um of apostles and of of uh these spiritual leaders from from the past so for me it was i had this this humility towards them like they were like I could learn from them and so I would I spent a lot of time with people just you know listening with them and stuff younger people uh I you know like street kids and stuff I a lot of times I would um take them into um if I was broke you know, I would take them into a store and I would teach them how to, how to steal food, you know, just be like, if you're hungry, man, just fucking take it. This, 
this is a big chain. They're, they're making lots of money. You, this is how you do it. I showed them all the tricks and then, um, and I, I don't think they were really prepared for that kind of thing. So there was this dubious, you know, like fucking, you know, Robin Hood idea of like, you know, like taking a little bit from the rich to give to someone who's hungry is, it seemed justified, you know what I mean? So anyway, that was the first episode. I ended up in the, the mental hospital. I was in there for, for a month and then, um, out that was, on was um, that your first diagnosis like first time? yeah 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 my first my first break yeah my uh my first episode season one <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh you know and i've been in and out of the hospital since but i've i have strategies to manage my illness and um the less like the more the more you 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 live with it the better you can manage it almost like if you survive through certain things you you learn how where you know you learn your own breaking point and you learn you learn when you need to reduce stressors you know and i've always been compliant with medication i i don't preach that kind of thing but like i think the mantra for people who want to offer support to someone is to is never to say uh like if someone's like i'm thinking of coming off my meds never to say yeah that's a great idea or yeah don't you should always say you know if you come on to meds with a medical profession you should work with a medical profession to come off of meds you know there's a lot of people especially like like um especially like people who have podcasts who will talk about a subject and just, you know, just kind of think that it's, you know, like you, you can hear Joe Rogan saying, you oh, these medications really, you know, they can fuck you up and blah, 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 blah. But they never say if you get on medications with a, with a medical profession, that's who you come off with. Like a lot of people around Brody Stevens, who was a comedian who killed himself, like probably like in my top five as far as who who uh influencer like for me i just loved his crowd work and his um just his style um you would hear people say to him yeah man if if you're if you're not feeling funny on those pills and you should come off them just get just stop taking them but it has to be with uh the person who got you on you can't just end them on your own like i did that i did that one time and i had like blood clots coming out of my penis i had like i had uh i had ended up in a bit of trouble because i spun out and you know some medications you know if you don't taper them you can you can really do a lot of damage to your body yeah. and, you're, and you you know you can get into trouble so I think, I think, uh, outside of having someone in your life that you trust that can say to you, Hey man, are you okay? When you're either you're down, like I haven't seen much of you or, or you're, or you're spun, you're, you're 
paranoid. You need one person. If you don't have a friend or a family member, then you have to find find someone. And you know that's where um, drop-in centers or places uh, with, that do uh, like vocational development, like a you know where you can go in and do artwork or something. You need you need someone in your life who's going to see you and and let them know to check in with you because that like having making that connection can can uh, save you a lot of grief down the road like i've been fortunate i've had my first episode i had a, a friend who like i went to university with um like a, a year after being hospitalized and then i ended up uh kind of spinning out and just like we had that talk like dude are you okay you seem really and i'm like yeah i'm i think i'm you know i'm yeah i i i gotta yeah like just to you know to kind of have that one one person so that's so on and off meds if you take them i'm not preaching but on and off with a doctor have one person in your life that is um that can check in with you to ask you to that they know the real you like when you're when you're well to have them check in with you and then um the third thing which is paramount to creating continuity in your life is to have one one thing you have to do in in the week you have a week so um for example i took singing lessons so once a week i went to uh my teacher and we you know and it was only half an hour but i did it for two years and so you have this something where you're especially if you have depression you're getting out of the house and you're getting to something that is a, a creative outlet it can be work it can be like at a cleaning and maintenance company i worked at um fresh start cleaning and maintenance in toronto the admin staff all the all the uh, workers there all have mental illness it's a peer-run organization the ministry of health pays for the admin and then all of the money uh that's earned goes to the workers and um you know they have like a lounge with computers and video games and uh they have like get-togethers parties and stuff uh it's all earned by the workers so um but uh um frick what was i saying before that i'm all balled up i'm balled up you're just saying um like having oh one having one account. thing yeah having one thing to go to and the, uh, you know, I, I worked with, we had 80, 80 workers. I was a site supervisor. I did every job in that, in that company uh, besides the executive director and the finance. I didn't work in finance or accounting, but I did scheduling. I did site supervisor. I, I sometimes I couldn't handle being, a, being in charge. So I, I went down to cleaner, you know, and um, anyway, I'll talk about that a little bit later, but 
I've worked with people and I've been in a situation where it's like, I can only work a half day and just go day by day and just see how it goes. But there were, there were folks there who did four hours a week and that's all they did. But after 10 years, those guys, those folks are going to be able to say, I worked at Fresh Start for 10 years. Nobody's going to look at you and go, well, how, how, how many hours exactly did you work? You know what I mean? So same thing. Um, so if it's not a job, then it has to be a creative outlet. If it's not music, um, I've, I've taken um, um, pottery for a couple of years. Um, I volunteered. You can volunteer. I used to volunteer at the Pollution Probe and a lot of NGOs, non-government organizations. So if you have that one thing, you know, it gets you out of the house, you know, because for most of us that having uh, social connections is, is just as important as, you know, medication or managing stresses and you know what I mean? So the, those three things I would say are probably the most important things for me. That's what, that's how I, I deal with life. That's, that's the, the main thing. And then the other thing is really, really be kind to yourself and, and, um, you know, uh, you know, if you mess up for some reason, especially with personality disorders, like I've developed some of that, I think, in my latter years, where I just say what I think. And, you know, it's, it can be caustic, but, um, you know, but it's not, it's not always coming from a, a mean place. It's just a lot of times I'll play the devil's advocate. I already know my side and I'll just play the other side to see how people think. Um, but more times than not, people with mental illness, they, because we don't present as um, like physically, we don't, you know, it's not like when you get older and you get tardive dyskinesia, which I'm starting to get, uh, you know what that is, right? When you're, your body starts locking up and you have tongue movements and basically you, the, when it's full blown, you end up looking like a, a Looney Tunes character that just got blown up. You know, you're like Daffy Duck walking around doing involuntary movements. So you end up, you end up, you end up presenting like you have mental illness, but that's actually usually get that as a side effect from medication, not because you're mentally ill. So, um, but uh fuck sorry oh no oh. <laughs> don't worry about it um, don't worry about it that's it's uh, but, uh you're allowed to curse here you were just okay. saying <laughs> um, but uh yeah like um so oh yeah so people people may see someone being assertive or advocating for themselves. And uh, that, you know, uh, that may get misconstrued as being, um, being a bitch or an asshole, or, you know, like, ugh, this person's horrible. But they're actually, if you, 
See, because the 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 analogy for for a lot of us, I I think, and I just thought of this analogy recently. Have you ever put a worm on a hook? Yeah. Right. So a worm goes on a hook, right? And people see the hook. They see they don't they don't recognize that I might be like I'm a wide person, I'm solid, I'm I've done a lot of physical labor. I physically I'm I'm threatening just I stand sideways to people just so they don't feel threatened. You know, if I raise my voice and people get upset, you know, they're like, whoa, 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 this big guy is blah, blah, blah. So they see, they see the hook. They see the fish hook or the treble hook. But I'm the fucking, I'm the worm that's on that hook that's been skewered by the fucking shit system that's just complete garbage because they don't realize how, how how difficult it is for us to even ask for something when it comes to, you know, resources, you know, their resources are safeguarded, like, uh, like they're these precious things, you know, and through, over time, it's hard. It's really hard. It's like, if someone acts out and, does something wrong or says something wrong there needs to like as someone in in who's a member of the mental health community like who's a peer like yourself and might you have mental illness right no no you don't I just, no i just uh the reason why i started this podcast was um i lost uh lost someone to suicide I lost my girlfriend uh five years ago so went through a lot of grief with that and um nothing diagnosed sorry about that okay all right so anyway um try to see the mangled uh fucking the mangled chewed up spit out worm that's on the hook and society with their bureaucracies and with their, um, their uh, really quick judgments, they are, they're the, the um, you know, that little piece that keeps the fish from coming off. They're the barb and they don't realize it, but they're the barb. They're keeping us on the worm. They're keeping us tortured and suffering. You know, uh, forgiveness and sincerity is dead. Everybody's completely, uh, completely uh, self-serving, right? Very few people will do will do what I'm trying to do, which is work with other peers, with people with mental illness, and bring us all up together. Yeah. Right. When I when I started the uh, the stand up comedy, I didn't I was going out. I was going out to regular open mics like just sing song open mics and uh, just asking if I could do five minutes here, five minutes there. And uh, so I did that. Uh, you know, because like there's a guy in um, Vancouver who teaches uh, stand up for mental health. 
and um, I wanted to get something going here. So approached him and he's like, it's $7,000 and uh, you got to fly me in and all this stuff. And I was like, okay. So I went to, I went to CMHA and any, any other group that might be able to come up with money and the, um, that experience was terrible. Uh, but yeah, so there's no money. So I just started doing it myself. And then I realized, you know what, if, if, if I got some folks together, we could, we could do this. So I ended up, we ended up, you know, like the places that are supposed to offer help, uh, I approached and they wouldn't give us space. And so we ended up in a hallway at the guild upstairs, just, there was no room for, for the seven of us. And we just practiced in the hallway and we did a show after three months, we met three times a week and then did a show three months later. And, um, Margie, as you know, was, she was one of the six and, uh, um, I just listened to her, your podcast with her today. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really something to hear her voice again. She's just such a force of nature. Um, God bless Margie. I think that was episode, I don't know, seven or eight. And uh, Yeah. We became really good friends. She told me a little bit about the group you guys had, and I know Ryan was in it too, another um, mutual friend that goes to the open mics. Um, but yeah, she was a beautiful soul. She was so funny. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, and uh yeah that was uh so anyway margaret was the one person i was like she has to do this with us i had met her and she was so she was so attentive to my being in a in a in a space we were in a group for for lions club um anyway she she just made me feel so welcome and and joked with me and she did to me the thing that I, I do with people, which is joke with them and try to connect, like really connect on, on a level that isn't just, you know, getting together and talking about problems, which is fine. Like I'm not knocking groups, you know, and I've used them and I've used counseling. There's no replacement for that. That said, you know, meeting, meeting, you know, the reason to get together is to write jokes and do stand-up or do, uh, do improv exercises and then have shows. Like it's, it's different. You end up talking about your problems, but it's, it's, uh, it's not the reason you get together. And she had lost her daughter, Jennifer, um, uh, about six months before we started the group. And it was, it was um, on a very deep level, it was terrifying for me because I wanted, I wanted, I wanted the group to, to work for her, but on a very deep level, I was so scared of messing up somehow and triggering her and all of that. But the reality is she is who she is and she she brought to the group what I needed from a peer, from a person. All everybody in the group did that for me. 
you know, I don't, I don't think uh, I could have done, you know, like done comedy the way, the way we did and the way we're doing unless I had other people. Um, but it was, uh, you know, and there were times each person had their turn, you know, at being like, I don't feel funny tonight. You know, and she she went through some lows where, you know, she was really upset, especially like, um, you know, like birthdays of her daughter and uh, yeah. anniversary of, of her passing. And it's like, um, you know, like even even I was like, oh, man, I don't feel like going. We did, you know, we did it in the dead of winter too. So people showing up was like, I was like, oh man, this is, once you get there and you just start and each person does their thing and someone might write a new thing or just, you know, rework a joke and just be like, just like fucking, you're just laughing together and, you know, creating and living life in a healthy way. So, um, yeah, so I miss her and I find um, it's it's pretty messed up with Margie because I got really ill and I was trying to link back with the group, but I was having like severe paranoid delusions about people in the group. And I... I basically, like for me, if I'm paranoid around people, I don't go around them. I don't, I try not to be around them so that whatever it is can pass because I was, uh, and I, I, I still do it. I, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that happens. I just get into a situation and something happens or, or there's something that snaps in me and I'm just, I'm just like, I'm terrified of like, you know, sharing crazy, crazy ideas, you know, like um, I don't have uh, voices in my head, but I have like paranoid thoughts, like people are plotting against me or there's, you know, I have these like exhausting these like loops in my head unhealthy loops that just go around and around and around and it's um yeah and i regret uh that she had passed around that time when when i wasn't well and uh it's uh one of my biggest regrets but it's tough man so but yeah that's that's the nature of the nature of the beast so for sure but she was you know, um yeah. can't control how you're feeling at the time and i think you know like i think what you gave to her was like unbelievable because like Man, she thrived on, she always wanted to do comedy. Like she told me about it. We hung out a lot. Um, 
that last summer before she passed. I I heard you guys were hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. I was really happy. I was really happy. Like we have a we have a, a Facebook Messenger group. Yeah. For for all the people who've been in doing stuff with us. Yeah. And seeing, you know, like uh Stacy was driving uh would drive Ryan and Margie and I was just like you know, I was so happy when I saw that happening in the group and I was like because for me the highest form of peer-to-peer is someone else doing what I'm trying to do because then we have then we have like then it can start growing you know like where where because over my lifetime I've been mentored and then having mentoring people you know to a point where they can start doing what where they can start, you know, like whatever it is. But uh, yeah, so you and Margie, you guys hung out a lot, right? Like, Yeah, we we did the podcast. I just kind of like... Um, I just watched that today. It was quite something. She's... Yeah, yeah she's fun. She's so funny. I just first off, like as soon as we get into it, she starts talking about... Her, uh, it was really funny when she... Talking about our maxi pad back in the day, how long it was. It was like the first things you get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck, I, was, I was dying. Um, yeah. We did the yeah, podcast. The that kind of just, our panties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a foot long. Oh my God, she's, she's funny. Um, I reached out to she, her after a show one time and then uh, just like, do you want to come on the podcast? I seen like, she did a CBC article and then um, she's like, yeah. And then, and then after that, like, I was having a really rough summer too. Like, it was probably the worst. One of the worst times of my life. Um, I was really sick, um, like mentally and physically. And uh, she just would message me like two, two times a week or three times a week. Like in the evening, she'd be like, "You doing anything this evening? I want to stop over for a tea." <laughs> and then I would just go over and like talk shit and I'd go sit in her couch for a while. And um, yeah, it was like a good amount of the summer leading up until she eventually passed. But yeah we became we became good friends but she told me all about like the group and she told me like she always wanted to do it and how much does it mean to her to get up there and she feels so great getting up there and how how much it meant to her to to do it and how much it's helped her so yeah yeah i uh i yeah she's uh just the the just the force man she's just so good so fun (laughs) like i wonder if anybody has for anyone listening like i wonder if anybody has uh like tape of her performing like she was just like for for the listeners like she was like four foot eight probably like around five feet i don't know i don't (laughs) think she was over five feet and she was used to call her the tower of pain and she'd come out and she was like this, she was a Newfoundlander. She was like 67 years old. And she'd just come out and start firing off about like wrestling cops and getting drunk when she was younger and all this crazy shit. Yeah, just yeah. the last thing, like just take over the room with so much energy and, and kill every time. And just Yeah. So fun. When we were at, uh, there was, uh, uh, what's that place? Upstreet. Uh, it's like a craft beer place. And they um, they had a thing called a joke off where people would go up and tell jokes, but yeah. just like, you know, like ones you can get from a, from your uncle's 
you know, book from the, the washroom or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And um, she was just laying back and people were going up, going up, going up. And then she's like, I think I'll tell a joke. And she went up and I don't know if you know the, the joke, but um, it's the one where the cops like uh, the cop goes, uh, pulls this lady over. She, and he's like, you have any guns in the car? And she's like, uh, yep, uh, I got this. Oh, you got a handgun. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, I got a rifle. Oh, okay. Anything else? Yeah, I got this machine gun. Oh, and uh, the cop goes, with all these guns, what are you scared of? And the lady goes, not too fucking much. <laughs> The way Margie would tell that, yeah, and yeah. she fucking murdered. She murdered like anybody who even thought they might have a chance, just just dropped their head and they're like <laughs> fucking laughing their heads off, you know. And she yeah. would pull these out like, or even she would just like. There's a lot of stuff that she used to do in group where you wouldn't wouldn't really um, you wouldn't expect it, but she would just be in the moment in a story like. I remember because she did, you know, indulge in uh, in uh, marijuana. Yeah. And she had a friend over, she said, and um, she goes, I was so high. I went to the bathroom and I came back to the living room. I, I forgot he was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that joke. It's so funny. <laughs> like, 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 forgot I had company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's so many. The thing is, there's so many. There's so many, there's so many jokes that she did or life experiences that she would do in practice, you know, like that, that didn't make it, you know, just like these things that I'm like, you should write that down. And yeah. she, she would write things down, but she, she'd write them down at home. She would never do, you know, like she would never, write, I give out cards and pens and shit for people. And she would just. Like that was a, just another throwaway fucking just a funny, like. Yeah, she was. She was unreal. That. She was unreal. She was so, she was so sweet, you know. And, um. Besides Brandley, she's the only one who, and like I have, I have a podcast with Brian, but uh, besides Brandley, uh, who's in the group, um. She's the only one that would call and like check in with me and stuff. And it's like, I, um, I know she, I know, I know it meant a lot for her son to, uh, to see her perform. And uh, I was there the night that they did. And it was just, just like, just like the light and energy that was there when she, she knew her son was there. Like it was just, you know, and she'd have a friend just come in and they'd be like buckled over. Like she was so, so, uh, she was so funny. Man. Like mm -hmm. she would like, and she was good with the audience. She, she would always check in, like she could read the room and she could, she would just test how people are doing and try and she would get them pumped up. Like, how you doing? And I, I said, how you doing? Like, like, yeah, <laughs> just yeah, like. Yeah such a just amazing like like um and that she was 
she was a like a matriarch. She was a, she was older, you know, like she was to and to be able to cut loose like that, you know, you know, and uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm she's just more of a kind man. Like to just think about I'm, doing that in your late sixties and like doing, oh, just know. starting it then and then being that good and yeah, yeah, she's amazing. And, and what's crazy is like, I'll, uh, I tell the story like, Oh, I knew she was funny, blah, blah, blah. But she was this, she was like, uh, she, she would like, I would be in around her. Like when we first started, I was, she, I would levitate. She would give me this, just knowing she was there. It was just, it just felt so, so good. You know what I mean? Like she was, she was a strong woman. She was very supportive on so many levels with people. And like, it wouldn't just be her and I would have problems in group. There'd be someone else talking about it. And she would just get right into what's really important about what someone's going through, yeah. you know, and um, hearing her speak at, uh, there was a really big show at um, the PEI Brewing Company. And she, she murdered there, but she talked about her daughter uh, and she talked about suicide and talked about people, you know, like, like talk to someone. If you feel this way, talk to somebody, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that's, you know, another thing that I would recommend is, and I, I, I like suicide and stuff like that, like that. That whole area was such a weak, it was a weak, um, it was one of my, I had less skills in dealing with that. I could deal with, you know, 90% of people stuff, like, you know, like kind of checking in and getting, getting to, you know, like having rapport, but also, you know, having people talk through stuff and then maybe offering a suggestion. But when it came to suicide, I was locked up. I was just like, oh, like fucking, oh, it's just such a heavy, 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 heavy thing. And I've, especially at Fresh Start, uh, there were a lot of people who, who committed suicide. Like people, people I know and love that, you know, like you fucking worked three, four years with them, five years, and then they do that and you're like it's it's such a you just don't want to mess up as someone who might you might have someone in your life who's showing signs or or they look like they're not like they're kind of not they're drowning in whatever's going on and i took um cmha put on uh like ma uh, mental health first aid like a suicide first aid like what to do I actually have to renew, uh, I have to do like, um, I took the course, I took uh, two courses and then I wanna do um, a refresher course. They have another refresher course that um, I'm due to sign up for. But uh, not being afraid to ask the question. You talk to someone and they're, you, they're, they're, you know, like you, you let people talk, you're there, you listen, you're not judgmental, you just let them talk. And then if you're sensing 
like this is getting really serious, it's okay to ask, are you thinking about harming yourself? Are you thinking about, you know what I mean? And if yeah. that's the case and you don't know who to talk to, you just say, are you like, if I go with you, are you comfortable if we get someone who can maybe we can make a connection because we're so afraid of, of um, social norms and taboos and, you know, like afraid that someone's going to be offended. Oh, like, like their reaction is going to be the fuck you think I'm, you think I'm suicidal. You know what I mean? And to not worry about, about asking because sometimes and most times you're well every time you're going to make a connection and uh yeah that's that's a huge piece that i learned um i learned through the course i think everybody should should take it yeah because you you get uh you get the tools you need and you get a, like a resource card for contact numbers for different services and stuff and i think so i think yeah that's definitely that definitely be a great thing for people to have i think like to your point there i think like that's almost like the best case scenario if someone says no i'm not suicidal like and they're serious mm -hmm. about it you know that's best case scenario so yeah what, what's what's the harm in, in asking the question yeah, exactly. You mentioned before, Dave, about strategies you have for yourself. And I know you've you kind of mentioned like the, the main things that you would do as far as um, as far as meds and, and having something to do. Is there anything else like day to day, like you mentioned stress, like how do you manage stress and how do you, how do you, how are you kind of aware where you're at when you've had too much? Um, I mean, it depends. It depends on what, what's going on. Like with bipolar, you have like high energy, you have low energy. Um, for me, knowing, knowing like, okay, you know, I'm on medication and sometimes it's, it's not perfect. So, uh, having like you, there's, there's, there's two main, two main contacts you, you should have as far as like medical professions. One is a counselor or like a psychologist or, uh, someone who can, who can do like, you can chat to about what's going on in your life. And then there's, then there's the psychiatrist, or it might be a GP, you know, for some people who can't get a doctor. I know mine took off, like he, he was here, but he left. So, so but, uh, so you talk to your, your counselor about what's going on, like in your life, like whatever you might be, you might have, uh, you'd be in a relationship and your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever uh, is something's going on. You talk about life stuff with them about that and what's stressing you out. But with your doctor, you talk about your, your psychiatrist. You talk about like, I sleep a lot during these times. Um, 
I go to bed okay, but I wake up groggy or this, you talk about everything physical that's going on, like, um, like, uh, or like I, I sleep in till whatever. And I, what all of the, the, the physical symptoms, uh, work with your psychiatrist through that. So if you think it's, uh, like if your life is okay, but you're, you're going through someone passing away or there's something, you know what I mean? Like if there's like, if you, if you need someone to talk through with stuff or, you know, like things from your past are coming up, they're bubbling up and you're, you know, like there's a lot of, um, uh, like trauma from when we're younger that we're trying to work through and it's really hard to do on your own. I mean, there's people try to do it. Um, that said, it's, you know, like uh, group work or counselor, but so knowing the, knowing the difference is very helpful. So if you're, so if you're in a crisis, are you in like, this is, this is uh, like a, you know, a medication crisis, or I need to feel safe. You know, I need a safe place, actually either one you could talk to about that. But I find it it's helpful to organize it that way. But as far as um, reducing stressors or dealing with stress, it depends what it is. Sometimes, you know, you might think something stressful and you go do it and it's not as bad as you thought. Like once you, like a family function, you're like, oh man, I'm just like, it's not that you don't want to be around people. It's just, you don't want to be the way that you are and bring that to a family dynamic. That said, if you, if you, if you're open and honest, which is probably another point, that's good, which, uh, you know, like, like having, having self stigma, worrying about what people think that's, that's, that's really something you got to work through. And that for me, getting, getting into like, uh, like, a like a social network of people, like people, like people who have mental illness, you get into like a, a drop-in or vocational something, you know, and through your counselor, that's how you'd, you'd work into something like that. Or you can, you can, if you hear about it or look it up, look up mental health services or call CMHA and, um, get into a social group but um i find uh i find it's 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 tough to push yourself but a lot of times people don't realize with with the depression part someone might spend the entire day just flatlined done can't do anything completely flatlined and for me, for years, I lived like that, like flatline, couldn't do anything. And then I would try to make up for it in, you know, to go out and be social. So it's almost like I felt like I was, it was safe enough for me to interact with people because I had, I kind of, you kind of almost recover from the last time you went out. And then for, for the mania come, kicks in when you're out with friends and you're just like, and so they see someone who's really great and seems like they got lots of energy. Meanwhile, 
when you go home, you're, you're done. You know what I mean? Like, so it depends. And if it's uh, social anxiety is something where you like, maybe you need to buddy up with someone and be like, if you want to meet up at the, like in town here, it's the Fitzroy or uh, like a mental health social group um clubhouse i guess they call it but um and employers if you're working you have you you almost have to you don't have to but i i find it's better to be open about my mental illness with an employer because like if they're not, if they're going to be like ooh we don't really want someone who's whatever oopsie downsies and blah 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 but more times than not the people you work with are going to know someone who's in their family who are going through the same thing so they're going to be more sympathetic they're you know what i mean like so um but working on that stigma that society has it's not as much as it used to be although it's still pretty shitty like I know someone who went on uh, a dating app and I won't say who but uh, this person whatever messaged them tried to make a connection and then they found out that they they worked for a mental health organization and was was like I just didn't pursue it because because why because you you think that they're not going to understand or they're not going to be interested if they find out you you know what i mean so that's that's a that's a that's a thing you kind of have to you have to figure out but i'll tell you something in 2000 and like 2011 i think I spoke at a, it was, it was a conference on employment for people with mental illness. And I, I, I spoke about my experience at uh, Fresh Start Cleaning and Maintenance and the other places that are peer support. And, um, and I said, show of hands, who, who here uh, has mental illness? A few hands went up. All right. And then I said, uh, who here would hire one of these people to babysit or, you know, uh, house it or I, I named a few things and um, some hands went up. Anyway, after that, that, uh, that session was done, I stuck around uh, with the pamphlets and just hung out and this woman came up and she worked for uh, uh, for the Ontario Disability Supports Program, which is basically um, it's it's a, a disability like it's welfare. But it's its own thing where if you have a disability, you get you get a set amount, you get a little extra than regular welfare and they have they have like a, a structure that's whatever, that you can work a certain amount, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she came up to me, she works for ODSP and uh, 
And uh, she goes, you know, when you asked if anybody here had a mental illness, I didn't put my hand up because I was afraid of what uh, people, people who I work with would think. And she works for disability, Ontario Disability Program. So the stigma runs deep, right? Like, like this, this thing is, you know, it's like, it's brutal. It's, it's friggin' brutal. Like how many people there too were like her? And then, you know, I think if you don't, even if you don't have a mental illness, like every human walk on this earth has some level of like some level of trauma, some level of experiences that they're that they're going through where they're maybe they're pushing their feelings off or they're everybody has things. There's no perfect life. It's like it's almost like mental illness is like a it's like a it's put into a category of something that like like only those people experience, you know, where it's like in reality, like we all deal with mental health and it's on a spectrum and like you could be a few things could happen and you could be at a at a very low point, you know, like it's it's we're very fragile. Like it's I don't know. It's crazy. Yes. Very crazy. It's pretty crazy. Um well, uh, supported alternative businesses, supportive employment is uh, offers like a, a really good model for how regular workplaces should function. Like at Fresh Start, if you had, um, if you were sick, you would just call in as long as you, I think, they were saying a day before, or uh, if you gave four hours notice for them to find someone to replace you, then it was just it was just understood that that's a function of the job. Like you have that, where in a regular job you're like, oh, I can't come in because I'm because the devil's in my couch, and they're like, hmm, uh, yeah, I don't know if this is working out. You know what I mean? So, so two things, we need more mental health peer organizations to be developed, alternative businesses that provide a, that, provide that um, and employers who, uh, who are educated or who are willing to, you know, to set up something like, like at, at Fresh Start, what, what would happen is if there was a site that we got like a bank or um, or like an office that we had to clean, then there would be two people hired for the one position. So it was always doubled up. And then and then inevitably you're gonna have certain people who will who are like, hey, if you got any shifts, I'll I'll pick them up, you know. And it was almost almost always like getting it was you could get people covering 
shift. So it's just going about that. Like if, you know, or as an employee, if you, if you're kind of like, you can only work half time, you know, that's, that could be a, a kind of like a positive thing for, for some employers and just be like, you know, um, if someone needs time off for some reason, I can come in on call. Like, I don't mind doing that. Or even, you know, and some, some employers will take half-time workers or quarter-time workers just to have that one day or two days that the other people can't come in. So don't, don't sell yourself short. If, if your limit, if you know your limit is, you know, X number of numbers a week of, of, of working, you know what I mean? Like you, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of, you know, and all it takes is someone who, uh, who knows somebody who's, who's going through stuff and is like, you know, and they see you come in and a lot of times they really want to offer support, you know? So, um, but, uh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, there's, there's a lot to it, but, uh, those, those four things I said, you got to have someone in your life who can check, who can, that you trust, who you can, are going to check in with you and be like, are you okay? You seem, are you all right? You know, on and off meds with the doctor and, um, have one thing a week minimum one thing a week and even if you only go to it every second week at least it's in your schedule and when you do make it you should feel fucking or you should feel really proud you know like and um yeah yeah because uh here's a here's an example of someone who had uh supported employment at fresh start right this woman she she would be booked in uh like every every day every every uh day no not every day she'd be booked in and she would get on the transit and then get off the first stop and then walk back home like for six months couldn't make a shift, but she was scheduled. Then she started making, uh, making it one one day a week. She she'd make it in, and then worked her way up slowly, more and more and more, and uh, now she works full time. Wow! And she has her own apartment. She's she has a you know uh, a better relationship with her son she she has uh which is brutal on on a lot of parents who have mental illness with kids it's freaking hard but just hang in there um so it's like that's the difference right that's where that's the difference it's kind of like um when i came down here i was used to uh working at nisa northern initiative for social action in sudbury it was uh I think I just broke the chair. Oh. <laughs> time to go. Time to add another hour to my walks. <laughs> um, 
but uh that's like uh like there's there's a model that's used down here on the island it's called the clubhouse model and it's basically built around they call it work order day so you go in and during the day you're doing something that's like work so you're answering phones or you're working the canteen or you're shredding paper or you're doing data entry or you're cleaning toilets or you're you're doing something work and i'll say this the the good things that the like the fitzroy is would be my example uh the good things the great things that they do number one is housing 10 out of 10 employment supports 10 out of 10 they have a van that picks people up from who are like outside of the area and brings them in for i think two bucks or something um 10 out of 10 um the the um the people i've met who have a low level of stigma self-stigma it's really good at least an eight like it's really good like people like with our group i had 14 in the there were 14 of us in um the improv and when we had the show everybody was there and it and every one of them was comfortable that people knew they had a mental illness so so for that i commend them that said the difference between um, a mental health peer like myself, someone with lived experience, uh, is at, at NISA, if, if someone came and said, I would like to start a comedy group, is there a room we could use and a space that we could use? And I would, hand, I would hold their hand, take them to whoever's, whoever can make that happen in the organization and we would make it happen right at at the fitzroy they wouldn't it's like they they're they're afraid that they're going to lose their job for doing their job their resources the room the space the uh like all of that is so safeguarded and it's like we just want a place to 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 you know to practice and um it's not a part of work order day whereas at at north at northern initiative for social action nisa i'll give you an example of a program that that comes from the from the ground up it doesn't come top down it comes from the ground up so there was um this guy, Alex, who used to be homeless, and he got his shit, or he got his life together, and he was a member at the, at NISA, and he wanted, he wanted, first of all, this was started, the whole peer-to-peer -peer thing was started by um, like a vocational uh, nurse who uh, was working on her PhD and understood the value of peer support. So you need an ally in the system to make it happen. But anyway, so she was the one that got it started and it's completely run by all everybody with mental illness, works there, is a member. 
So anyway, back, back to Alex, he was homeless. And when, once he got his life together, he wanted to do something for folks that were on the street because he was there. So he's like, you know, it'd be, it'd be cool if I could make some quilts and then uh, they have a, they're called red coats. They go out and give out food and stuff to people. And uh, so because it was peer run, they're like, oh, okay, well, what do we need? You need a table and you need sewing machine. And then they did a call out for fabrics and bought some batten. And that became a program. It became a program from him where, you know, uh, I, I tried to get a room uh, a few times to do some stuff. And they're like, no, you need a staff person there and you need this and you can't do this and these hours. And it's like, like, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a key holder. I, I, I've, you know, I've had passcodes, I've had keys, I've opened and closed places, all kinds of organizations. I've been in and out, you know, and you can tell that to someone and it's almost like you're invisible. They just don't, it just doesn't, they don't see you like that. They see you as someone we need to take care of and to, we need to, like your ideas and who you are, it's just not, it's not gonna. It's not gonna work in our, our system, our clubhouse model. So, because uh, I did, I ran a, I ran a computer recycling depot in Sudbury for two years, and I've told everybody that, and not once did anybody, any staff say, "Ooh, maybe we could do that here. Maybe people could volunteer to fix computers and learn how to fix computers." I had up to 20 volunteers a day in my, in my, uh, you know, at the, at the recycling depot. And a lot of those guys knew how to fix computers. And there inevitably there'd be people coming in who wanted like they, some would come in just to buy the refurbished computers, but a lot of them wanted like their computer fixed. And so I'd be like, we don't fix computers here for the public. We just get donations and, refurbish them but if you want to fix you can talk to this guy and work something out and they would get cash jobs right so uh it just starts as someone has an idea for a thing and then if you if instead of negating it fucking say yes let's try to let's try to make this happen i went to cmha i talked to the um uh the head of of the pei division and I asked, I, I said, if uh, for our group, we're trying to help people do, at the time I was like, I'll do any, any, I was trying to be Nisa, I was trying to do anything for anybody. So it was actually Margie who wanted to publish a book of poems. And I'm like, I have someone who wants to publish some poems. If I can get someone to donate a printer, can we run it through you guys? Because I don't have a, I can't give them a tax receipt. And the person said, no, we don't, we don't help groups like that. Um, no. And then in the next sentence, this person goes, but if you can, if you know anybody with money, million dollars, we'll, we'll do, we'll make it happen. And I was like, you're a soul crushing 
you know, alien. You're not even real. You're not even, you're not even real. You know what I mean? You're a, underneath your, your skin, you're a lizard person. You know what I mean? Like if I was running a thing and, and, so, and a community member came to me personally and said, ask for something, I would, I'm the, I'm the guy, I'm the person who, who knows how to get that done. You don't hold my hand and set me up with the person. You know, you don't, you don't make it out. You don't say, oh, well, how, maybe we, you can use our photocopier. You don't, you know what I mean? And that same person, I put a package together to, to, to do standup. And it was, it was in there for, it was two months. And I went in to just follow up. I'm like, so did you read through the package or anything? I didn't hear from you. And they're like, oh, I think that's on my desk. Yeah, I think, I think that's, uh, so yeah. So you're, you're, so you have like cold blood running through your veins and you're in charge of stuff. Like, you know what I mean? So that's the difference. When I talk about peer, 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 it's completely different. Like another example is at NISA, they run, it's called a warm line. So uh, you're not necessarily in crisis. Like a lot of people would use this warm line service over the weekend where you're like, like during the week, you you go to groups and you have stuff going on. You're, you're busy with some things, but completely alone on the weekends, it's really hard for a lot of us. So you call in to the warm line and you're just talking. It's just a voice. And um, we run that. That's mental health, peers, we run that. And um, I actually talked to a woman who, when I first met her at Nisa, she was, for lack of a better word, she was a zombie. She was so out of it. And it took everything she had to come in. And she kept coming and kept coming. And I would joke with her and try to just like, shake shake her up to kind of you know to just like bust a little bit through the fog and i just saw her just kept kept coming kept coming kept coming and she ended up writing uh she just finished the second book she she wrote she wrote two books and she's a senior she's a senior she wrote two books about her life and now she's working the warm line and i'm like what and this is she's she's one of the people that had trouble on the weekend that couldn't get through weekend sometimes because of the, the isolation. And now she's working, helping other people. Like you, you see how peer to peer is where it's not mainstream people who read in a textbook, what they think is going to work. Oh, I've done my thesis on uh, social organization of uh, the, whatever people with this, statistics and blah 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 it's about being a friggin' human having a heart being being empathetic being like like you know and because i've been that person i've been that zombie i've been there and i still i still and like i still have that i have times where i'm like that where i'm just like not not there and it's like when you've been through it, you recognize it in others, and you know you know uh, 
you instinctively know what to do. Another example would be Bar this woman, Barbara. She's dead now, but she, uh, she used to come in and I would talk to her at NISA and I'd be like, hey, how's it going? Da, 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 da. Just kind of building rapport and just enjoying, you know, like having a coffee with her or whatever. And then I, I you know, where everybody just, you know, like people come and go all the time, but she kept coming. And I was like, I, I really respect that, you know, like it, it, I know, I know she's, you know, going through some stuff. Anyway, uh, I go, Barbara, what, what's going on? Like, what do you really, what do you really want to do? Or what do you want? And she's like, I want a man. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, like right away, no hesitation. She just knew exactly what she wanted. And I was like, makes total sense. Okay. She had hair on her face. She had her, her fingers were, were yellow from smoking. And she was, she was a bit of a hot mess. And um, I'm like, okay, all right, here's what we'll do. So I showed her how, well, I, I, I set up her account for Plenty of Fish. I showed her how to get in and out of her account. And then um, I talked to the other staff, the program coordinator, and then at one of the staff meetings about doing like a spa day for everybody because it wouldn't, I just didn't want it to be like, okay, we're just gonna do Barb, right? And so, and now that's a regular thing. And spa day is this thing where like, a couple of us would cut hair and then we'd do masks and get our nails done and, you know, have soft music and just be like spa day, like something. And it came from Barbara. And I'm telling you when, when she got all like cleaned up, we cleaned her fingers and, you know, like just made her look like nice her up. We took a picture, put it on, put it on plenty of fish. And I think I did three three tutorials which took me like 15 minutes each to teach her how to use a computer never used a computer before in her life but because she wanted to meet a man she was motivated and got in and out she would come to me the odd time and be like oh, i don't think it my password's going in right and i'd help her with that but basically for weeks and weeks and weeks she would she was doing it on her own completely on her own and then uh like every day I'd be like oh how's it going she's like you know good 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 one day I go uh like how are you what's going on what's new she goes I met a man <laughs> and I was like fuck yeah <laughs> I was so happy you know I'm like what happened she goes we went for coffee I'm like, how'd it go? Oh, he's really nice. No, 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 no. So, and then, so she had a coffee date and then they became like, you know, special friends, right? And I, I was like, okay. So you think somebody at a, at a work order day place where it's like, all we can do is, you know, we offer you the option of shredding paper or doing data input. You know, like once you do those things once, you don't, you learn, you don't have to fucking, you know, and volunteering to clean a toilet. Would you, would you go somewhere and volunteer to clean a toilet, pay somebody to clean a toilet and pay attention to people who, 
who want to do something, you find out what they want, and then you, you just, you clear the way. And I'm telling you, people just do it on their own. They'll do, there's a, uh, they call it the artist loft. So it's just a, it's just a room with, uh, where they, they have people donating or we buy canvases and paints. People go in there. There's no one going, uh, you know, like talking to you and stuff. It's just like, you come and go, you use the, you use the facilities, you use the resources. And there's, there's inevitably you end up with people who, who are real, have really strong art skills who use the room. Um, and then people who have no experience using the room. And then you have this, this interaction, this energy, the synergy, and it just happens organically. Right. And it's like, it's like, um, you try to explain that to somebody, but all they see is the hook. They just see someone who's being aggressive, who's being, you know, not being assertive, but being, you know, being pushy, being, you know, asking for stuff. They don't see the worm. They don't see, they don't see the, the damage that is inside of someone who just doesn't present as, you know, uh, you know, like ill, you know what I mean? And it's, so that, if anything, I think uh, peer support's like the, the future. And I believe peer support is something that it's a model that works for any uh, kind of grouping. So peer support uh, for newcomers to Canada or peer support for indigenous people or whatever, or, you know, people, people who, whatever it is, you know, maybe cancer survivors, having, being there for someone, serving your people, find who your people are and serve them. You know, it's one thing to, to be like, yeah, I've done all this great stuff. I, I can do this. I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. Yeah, that, that's great. Great here, here's a, here's a pin, here's a button. But people who want, to, if people who find, find who, who, who need, you find who you, who's, who needs people who need help, or you find your people, it'll be good for you. And you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, like all boats go up when the waters, when it's raining hard or something. So, <laughs> so anyway, like, yeah. Oh, shoot. Audio dropout? I can't hear you. Hello. Hello. Oh, I hear you now. It's my bad. Um, That's okay. You're right, man. You're right. And that, like, I love what you're saying. And, uh, like, it just makes so much sense. Like it's uh, it's a community. You're building a community of people where it's like you're giving people purpose. Like, what do you want to do? What What do you have in your heart that you want to do? And it's like, I want to write poems. I want to get it published. I want to uh, refurbish computers. I, it's like giving them the space, or even just I need a room to practice comedy. It's like giving them space, giving them life, and then everyone participates and supports, and then it turns into a thing, and then they're giving back to the community, and then like 
going from someone who can't even make it to work, like you said, to six months later, they have a full-time job and they have their own apartment. It's like, it just makes so much sense. Um, and uh, like, I think at the core of that, it, it, go, it, go, it goes to like community, which is like a, it's a basic human need that, that gets lost in today's society. But like, especially for someone that, people that, that need it, right? Like those groups you mentioned, but we all need it. But to have that to, and, and to feel supported. And then like you go from like, you know, like the spectrum, whether that's like the bottom where you're the one that's needs help the most. And then all of a sudden when, when you're farther down the line, then you become that person that's helping the person that needs the most. Right. And that makes so much sense. Like, and just, just what you said, like, like, what are you really going to learn? Like, it's good to have skills to be like, okay, I can, I can tread paper. I can, make some food or whatever um but that's just those are just mundane things that you know you're gonna do a few times and then that's it that's not really like finding yourself again that's like okay i can do the basics now but to have someone over that that runs it where it's just like this is what you should do opposed to being like what do you want to do i think that's that's beautiful man it's a it's a great message that you're um that you're saying and and I think there needs to be a lot more of it. It's not easy, man. It's not easy. I try. I tried so many places to 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 do the stand up and the improv, and you 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 have to find allies. This is the only way, and they might not be in the community. Like, you know, CMHA and the Fitzroy really let me down, and uh, I hate you know talking trash, but that's the reality. You know, even this summer, you know, uh, I know COVID's, you know, made things difficult, but we were practicing improv or in the park, you know what I mean? And it's like, if you, if you're, if you have, if you're in a community or in a group and you have some kind of, you know, power or influence, try using it to advocate for others. You know, advocating for people doesn't stop at doing it once. You just got to keep doing it and doing it. And luckily, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm built a certain way where, uh, okay, you, you know, like there was a church. Uh, I tried a bunch of churches. This this one church was ridiculous. I was like, yeah, I just want to do whatever, me, do some improv. And they're like, uh, you need insurance. So I found some, like a, an organization that would cover the insurance for us. And it was for a million dollars. And they're like, the board said no, because you need $2 million of insurance. And I was like, well, I'm going to tell Jesus about this. And you guys are going to be in real trouble. <laughs> You're going to be real trouble. So anyway, I joke, but... That's the kind of bureaucratic, you know, hoarding of resources, hoarding, you know, like just everybody is so terrified of losing their job for doing their job. And I really, really, really hope, you know, people, people learn that, yeah, just, just fucking, if you, if you think, if you think you should do this for someone, just do it. And don't worry about the consequences because 
you know, if you if if you need a you know a credit check, a background check, like all that stuff's doable. There's you know, uh, work history, uh, references, like just if you have to ask for that, that's fine. We can we can you know people who are trying to do stuff like we're we'll come up with it, you know, like, uh, but it's uh yeah it's uh it's crazy it's crazy like in the old days it'd be people weren't so so worried but all it takes is like it's like bylaws like someone complains that the kids are you know too loud somewhere playing somewhere and then they have to you know make a bylaw 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 eventually everybody's just locked into all this and you're like what where'd this bylaw come from you know or so it's like you just need to. Um, here's a really here's a real mental health example. When I was volunteering at, uh, I was coming in for uh, for NISA. I volunteered there first, which is a great way to get into employment. Is volunteer at a place that you want to work. You, you volunteer like if it's a nonprofit or something. Just say yeah, can I come in and do help out? You'll learn, you'll meet people. And then if something comes up, you can get a job. Anyway, I, uh, I filled out a form to cover my expenses for driving in. And I put it in with my doctor and three months go by. And I'm like, I went to the, uh, I went to talk to the doctor and I talked to the reception. And she's like, let me put it in with this other doctor Two days later, it was signed and I was done. So what's the difference between one doctor who probably saw that, but just didn't realize, like, do I have the authority to do this? Or maybe didn't even think it was a big deal. And another doctor going, yep, that's good. Because it keeps people moving. It gets things going. You know, like, like if, if something screws up and it comes back on you, you know, say sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I, I gave them money. I didn't know they were cheating or something. Like the the odds of someone cheating is always lower than, like minuscule compared to people who are who are genuine. So, but that's uh, it's uh, and it's just people who, you know, I don't know. Just don't be a lizard, man. Just, that's, that's what I, I say. Don't be you a know? lizard. Don't be a lizard. Or get a sun lamp a when you're at work. Warm yeah, up a little bit. Get a red lamp. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, man. And sharing. Yeah, this. Like, I really appreciate it. And um, likewise. You said, a lot of, you said a lot of good things, a lot of enlightening things about the mental health care system and, and, you know, the peer support system, which I just, you know, I'm so in favor of everything you're saying. It makes so much sense. Right on. Um, All right, Maddie, I appreciate it. Where, Thanks where, for doing that podcast with Margie. Love you, Margie. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, I'll I'll tell you this. My uh, my dog. I had to put. We had to put our dog down. Um, like after Margie passed, and uh, it was in the winter time. And I was like, I was like, I was so upset. I was just thinking of her and because I had to put 
my dog chunked down and I was like, ah, oh, free. So I'm like really upset. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go do something. So I, there was a roof. I had to snow blow all the snow off and, uh, it was freezing and I'm, I'm pushing the snow blower and I'm just crying on the roof. I'm like, ah, oh, look, Mikey, Chuck, I fucking miss you guys. And uh, talking to the crows, like there was like there was there was uh, one crow that was like standing on the tree, and I'm like, uh, like is that Chuck? Are you Marty? I'm like, I'm thinking like, you know, like maybe the bird is Margie's visiting me, and then uh, or Chuck, and um. But I had a dream, I had a crazy dream. And it was, it was a uh, chunk had, my dog was a Rottweiler, big Rottweiler. I had a dream she had wings and Margie was flying on chunk and flew by and was just like smiling, just like flying by like, hey, and I'm like, <laughs> I was like, oh, fucking like, it was just like this, this strange thing that, where it was like, oh, okay, that maybe, maybe they're just trying to say like, like, don't worry, we're okay. You know, like the spirit's okay. So, so anyway. Probably was. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Where can people find you? Where can people find you online? Um, as far as your, your stream and, and uh, things you're doing with your improv. Uh, well, out of our out of our minds network on Facebook um, or OOM network O O O M network and um, yeah that's that's the comedy group so the videos and stuff we're starting to put up and then uh, my personal uh, like on YouTube and on uh, Twitch it's Guano Guano Show Show so like uh, Guano, guano, show, show, one word. Guano, I haven't, guano, I haven't show, seen show. It. Like Yeah, there you guano, go. Guano, show, show, guano, 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 show, guano, show. Guano, that's <laughs> hey, you got it. <laughs> but uh, there, I just, uh, yeah, I just, I just hack around. It's really just, I kind of, during COVID, I, I took a deep dive on uh, live streaming. So um, cool. it was really test, test stuff and um as a musical outlet but i'm really i'm more focused right now on uh doing stuff doing video production with the with the group so our hope is that out of our minds network boom network we do a bunch of videos like just quick and dirty fun stuff like nothing nothing too high res or whatever or or uh or primo but down the road i'm hoping to do uh, like a series, some kind of mini mini series or like a, a web series, where uh, I have a few we have a few ideas. We have a few ideas for uh, something, but I have to again. I got to find a space where people are going to let us do it. And, you know, um, Film DEI is willing to allow us to use equipment, uh, so it's just a matter of you know, lining it up, writing some stuff, but they, it, it would probably look something like, um, uh, curb your enthusiasm where you would have plot points and then there would be wiggle room for people to 
just be like to an improv. So it would, it would be completely improv uh, between plot points and then just chop together. Nothing, uh, nothing to, nothing to, uh, how do you put it? Like it's not going to be Stanley Kubrick or anything like that, but just to have fun and to give ourselves, you know, an outlet, something to do that's healthy.